We're continuing this week in our study of Revelation 15, day three, and we're going to focus today on something we began to look at yesterday, the Song of Moses. The fact that a Song of Moses shows up in the book of Revelation is extremely significant. In order to understand Revelation chapter 15 and Revelation chapter 16, you have to understand the book of Exodus. Remember, in Exodus, a nation, the nation of Israel, was delivered from Egypt by the blood of a lamb. And the Egyptian army was destroyed at the Red Sea. And so in thankfulness, they sang, after that happened, the song of Moses. Now, that song is brought right here into the book of Revelation because God wants me, he wants you to get the connection. He has the same song sung here by the victorious worshipers because he wants us to understand something we've talked about briefly a couple of times already. He wants us to understand the connection between Exodus and Revelation. If you're going to understand the book of Revelation, I believe the most important Old Testament book to understand is Exodus. Daniel is important for understanding Revelation, no doubt about it. But Exodus is even more important because it helps you to understand the meaning of the book of Revelation. Let's just take some time to walk through this today. So important to understand this. In the book of Exodus, the people of God are in slavery in a foreign land. They've been taken into slavery, not knowing it was going to be slavery at first, thinking that it was a good place to go. In fact, God led them to go there. But then the Egyptians enslaved the Israelites. For 430 years, they were enslaved. And it was a terrible slavery. Worked to death, many of the people were. And you remember that when Moses was born, he had to be hidden because they were killing all of the sons. They were killing the children so that this nation of Israel would not continue to grow and maybe become so powerful that they could overwhelm the Egyptians. So you know that the people of God, the people of Israel who are held in captivity, in slavery in Egypt, they are crying out in their prayers to God, how long, O God, must we be held in slavery in this land? They knew the promise. They had the Old Testament. They knew that God was going to take them back to the promised land someday, but they're still held in slavery. So they're crying again and again, how long, how long, how long? And then God, at the right time, at his time, in his timing and his way, he sends a redeemer, a man by the name of Moses, to set the people free. Moses goes before Pharaoh, the one who is holding the people of God captive, and he says, set my people free. And Pharaoh says, no. This evil ruler tries to hold on to his power. And so God begins to judge that evil. In order to cause Pharaoh to eventually say yes, he begins to send plagues upon the nation of Egypt. And you remember, the Nile River is turned to blood, and frogs are sent that invade every household, and gnats are sent, and all the livestock die, and the sun is darkened, and Eventually, in the last plague, all the firstborn sons of the household lose their lives. And Moses is warning the Pharaoh all along, this is going to happen, set my people free. And Pharaoh keeps saying no. In fact, the phrase that's used in the Bible is, he hardened his heart against God. Those plagues that were sent, they hardened the heart of Pharaoh, but they also set the people free. Now, Pharaoh could have chosen, he could have chosen to say yes. He could have chosen at the first plague or the second or the third or before any plague happened. He could have chosen to say yes and allow the people to be set free. But God knew that his heart would be hardened. He didn't want his heart to be hardened. But God, knowing everything, knew what he would do. 
And then comes this last plague where the firstborn of every household is, is judged. And the household is judged. And the firstborn dies, except for the household of the nation of Israel. Because God told the nation of Israel to have a feast and to slay a lamb and to take the blood of that lamb and to put it on the doorpost of their house. And God promised that when the death angel passed over the land, he would see the blood that was on the doorpost of that house and he would pass over. That's where we get the, the celebration of Passover. He would pass over that house. Now, obviously, God knew who the Israelites were in the land. He knew the households. He knows everything. But he wanted them, he asked them to express their faith, and they did, every one of them. And every one of their sons were saved. A lamb is slain, and blood is put on the doorposts. And finally, after this final judgment, Pharaoh says yes, and the people are set free. Now, does that have anything to do with the book of Revelation? You better believe it does. The book of Revelation is the same story, just on a worldwide scale. In the book of Revelation, the people of God, you and I as believers, whether we come from Jewish descent or we come from Gentile descent, we are the people of God and we live in a world that is enslaved to sin and to Satan, to the ways of this world. And the people of God now are crying, how long, how long, God, do we have to live in a world where there is evil? How long do we have to live in a world where it is not right, where it is not fair, where you're allowing this to happen. How long? And God sends a redeemer, Jesus Christ, to set the people free. Now, evil seems to want to hold on, seems to not want to let go of its power over this world. Even in Jesus coming to give his life for us, even in the experiences you and I have today in trials and temptations and the evils that you see around this world, and even in what we see in what's going to happen at the end in the book of Revelation, evil is trying to hold on. Now, in Easter, it is a different story than Passover. At the Passover, the firstborn son of every household died because of God's judgment. But in Easter, it is God giving his only son, God himself giving his life for us so that you and I can find redemption in his name, so we can find life in his name. Redemption means freedom. He wants to set us free. He purchased our freedom with his own blood. And so in this case, the blood is not on the doorpost of a house. It's on our hearts. That's where the forgiveness is. But here in the end, evil is still trying to hold on. People are still holding on to their evil ways. They're still holding on to this world as if that's where their hope is. And God sends plagues, hardening the heart of those who are opposed to God. The greater the difficulties become, the further they get from God, just like Pharaoh did but setting his people free. These very plagues that come are going to destroy this world, are going to end this world, are going to set his people free eventually. Those plagues will judge the false and idolatrous gods of trusting in this world. You see, in the plagues of Egypt, each of those plagues judged the gods, the false gods, the idolatrous gods of Egypt. They worshiped the Nile River, so the Nile River was turned to blood. They worshiped frogs, so God gave them more frogs than they could handle. They worshiped the sun, and so God darkened the sun. And here, God is going to take away that which we worship, that which we idolize. And today, we idolize this world. We idolize our life in this world. We idolize what we have built for ourselves in this world. And that's all going to fall apart. It's all going to be destroyed. God's going to judge the idolatrous God of trusting in this world, and he will invite people in doing that to trust in God. Now, as I tell this story, you might be thinking, well, there's, there's one big difference. 
In Egypt, it's just a single nation that's judged at one period of time. Here, it's the whole world that's going to be judged. God's going to allow everybody, everything to go through this judgment. You need to remember, you need to understand that to God, in light of his eternal plan, the whole world is no more significant or lasting than a single nation. They're all but a breath of air to him. This world is not meant to last. That's what Revelation shows. That's what Revelation chapter 15 and 16 finalized the story of in many ways. This world is not meant to last, so don't idolize it. Don't hang on to it. Because if you do, the more God tries to work in your life, the more you're going to harden your heart against him. But as you recognize God's, God has an eternal plan and purpose for your life, when you see that, then even the evil that's happening in this world, and even when things begin to fall apart and you realize that life isn't fair, even when that happens, you'll recognize but I have a future and a hope. I have something greater than this world. I don't have to hold on to this world because it's not going to last anyway. Why hold on to something that's not going to last? I'm going to hold on to him. I'm going to hold on to heaven. I'm going to hold on to my hope in him because that, that is eternal. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for your eternal plan, your eternal love. Thank you for the wonder of how your story unfolds that the book of Exodus foreshadows for us what's happening here in the book of Revelation, helps us to picture your heart, your heart to draw people to yourself, your heart to redeem people and set them free. Set people free, we pray, free from this world, free from sin, so that we can live together with you forever. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Tomorrow, we're going to look together at the strength we can find in the song that they sang.